you turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1, Galatians 1, and we'll pick up verses 6 through 9, and a message, a very simple message, a message that is also very, very, very important. Paul has taken a few moments in this incredible grace greeting. He said grace and peace to us. He said, look, this is the way you're going to know Jesus by grace. That's going to come to us by faith. That faith is a gift according to Ephesians 2. And so now he issues a stern warning about messing with the grace of God. And this is not a shock because he's writing to a church that's struggling with religion, a church that's not really understanding the importance of the grace of God. And when we speak of the grace of God, we speak of it in in the way of understanding that it is by grace and through faith in Christ alone that one comes to a right relationship with God. There is literally, as Jesus said in John 14, 6, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. And by believing on him, we're saved. And what happens is we ask God to come into our lives through the sacrifice made by Jesus Christ that imparts grace to our life, unmerited favor by God, whereby he forgives our sin, and it is that new righteousness that comes from Christ that allows us to call ourselves the children of God and ultimately will allow us to go to heaven. And so when we talk about grace, we're talking about saving grace. We're talking about God's unmerited favor in reaching out to us and bringing us into a right relationship with our heavenly father through Christ the son. Mankind tries to make that into religion. And mankind always seeks to add things to God's grace and make those things essential for one's salvation. In the Galatian sense, they added in the Jewish law, the festivals, the feast days, circumcision for the men. There were all kinds of things. It's like you needed God's grace, but you also needed Judaism. In our world today, there are certain groups that say if you don't belong to their group, that you're not a child of God. There are those who would say, if you're not baptized, you're not a child of God. Now be careful. I didn't say you shouldn't be baptized. But what I did say is, you're not saved because you're baptized. That water can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. That baptism is a sign that you have been saved. It's not something you do to get saved. Very important distinction. Because if you add anything to the grace of God, you have messed with the message. One comes to faith in Christ, that by itself results in grace being imparted to your life. That is what causes you to be be a child of God. Not your religious affiliation with a certain group. Not with a certain group of churches. Not your association with a church. And certainly not with anyone that we would call a cult or a false religion. And so here comes this stern warning. Uh, We'll just take these few verses and allow God to speak to us in these moments we have left. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being your children by grace and through faith in you, Christ, alone. And so we ask that you would speak to us now, uh, take these words and impart truth to us, that we might grow in our faith. Lord, help us to never mess with the message of the gospel of grace In Jesus' name, amen. 
Verse 6 here in Galatians chapter 1, I am amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ. In other words, he's saying, look, there's a message that was delivered to you by me. That message was the message of grace in Christ, of Christ, through Christ. It is the grace of Christ that Paul preached. He didn't preach religion. He certainly didn't preach Judaism. He didn't preach legalism. He didn't preach libertinism. He didn't preach anything. Save Christ alone saves you by confessing him as your Lord and Savior. But these people were turning back to the law. The Judaizers were coming in and saying, well, you need Jesus and the law. You need Jesus and the feast days. You need Jesus and our brand of church, in essence. For a different gospel, he says, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort, notice he says it again, the gospel of Christ. The gospel means good news, amen? That's what the word actually means. It means good news. Can I tell you, if you add something to the grace of God, the good news is no longer good news. If you add in it, let me give you an example of that, because that really is what's at issue here. It was adding back in the keeping of the law. The grace was good, grace was great, but you needed to also keep the law of God. And so let's boil the law down. Forget the Levitical law and all those things. Let's just boil it down to the Ten Commandments. Amen? And so if you were to add in that you have to perfectly keep the law of God, and we just talk about the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, let's begin with the very first one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. What that means is you will never worship another god. So here in America, how many people are actually going to get away from not worshiping another god periodically, like, say, for instance, money or sports figures? Uh, Some people may be worshiping right now at the altar of the Los Angeles Dodgers because they're not here at church. We, We can worship in a lot of different ways. So if it's all about perfectly keeping, not having another god before me, pretty much all of us are in trouble. But let's say you're okay. You don't give your time, your talent, and your treasure to any false gods or any other gods other than the one true God. Let's say you keep that one. How many of you are going to get down to that part where it says, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife or anything that is your neighbor's? How many of you have ever wanted something that your neighbor has? A lot. Probably most of us, amen? Amen. We, we drove through Bel Air and through part of Beverly, Beverly Hills yesterday. I'm looking, you know what? Robert Downey Jr. should have known that house. A Lambo goes by. I'm thinking, I'd look good driving that. Until I got caught, and then I'd be in trouble. But be as it may, we, we, we like other stuff. People are covetous by nature. And so the reason that God gave us the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, was not so that we could ever have any hope in them, so that we could become completely hopeless in keeping them. That's actually the reason for the law. That when you look at the law, you go, man, there is no way in the world I can even keep the Ten Commandments. There's got to be some other way that I can be pleasing to God. Guess what? There is. It's God's grace. So he says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. 
through faith. That faith is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. None of us can boast. And then he goes on to say, and you've been created in Christ Jesus for good works so that you might walk in them. You see, God's grace is what saves us. God's grace is what keeps us. God's grace is the thing that matters to us. It is all about God's grace. And anything that perverts God's grace, we need to run from. Now, I did not say that someone who's walking in God's grace should also walk in sin, did I? And I didn't mean it either. But you being sinless is not a condition for your salvation. You being found in the grace of God, having your sins forgiven, is the only condition to your salvation. Because you're a child of God, you will try and sin less. And you'll have victory in it because you now have power over your flesh by the indwelling Holy Spirit. You see, you have to keep the grace of God a very simple thing. Otherwise, you frustrate everyone and actually pervert the gospel itself. And so Paul warns us, and I want you to see this warning very, very, very clearly. And I want you to ask yourself if you don't know a group that falls exactly into the warning that's here. But even though we, that would be Paul, he's speaking hypothetically, if you were to come up with something else, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. For we have said before, and so I say now again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you have received, let him be accursed. Anybody know of a group who claims to have another testament of Jesus Christ? Did anybody realize where that other testament came from? It actually came from the angel Moroni who convinced Joseph Smith that there were a set of golden tablets that were on a hill in Cumrah, upstate New York, and that if he used these special glasses and a seer stone put into a hat, put a bag over his head, that he would have a revelation of another Jesus Christ, one who just happened to have grown up in Mesoamerica and ministered to the Aztecs, by the way, the Incans and the Mayans. That said same Jesus is also the blood brother of Lucifer. And not only is he not God, he's one of God's many sons. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when people get on my case, well, how can you talk like that from the pulpit that's condemning another man's religion? No, as a pastor, I'm calling out a false cult. I am telling you that that is a false gospel Because that Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. It's not the Jesus who said he is God's own son, his only son, his one and only son, and that his son came from heaven and is not a man in that sense. He came and became a man. But he was God in heaven. He's not one of God's many sons. He's God's only son. And furthermore, God himself, according to Mormon theology, is actually an exalted man. So if you've got the wrong Jesus, you've got the wrong gospel. 
And thereby, your Bible says, let that person, that group be accursed because they're drawing people away from the true gospel, which is in God's only son and the only way of salvation, the plain teaching of scripture. You can't add anything. And so God says, look, these just like the ancient people of Jericho. People wonder, well, why did God wipe out the people of Jericho? Well, because they did exactly what God told them not to do. Jesus warned the disciples of this very problem. He said, look, there are going to be false teachers that are going to come among you. And they're going to preach a false message. They're going to be false Christ. They're literally going to claim to be Messiah. So as a pastor, preparing the church for the decades that we live during our lives, the time that we're here on earth, I actually have a biblical responsibility to tell you not everyone who professes the name of Jesus is professing the real Christ. Just because you use the name Jesus does not mean that the Jesus you're talking about is God's own son. You got to have the right Jesus. The one who was born to Mary and Joseph, the one who grew up in Nazareth, the one who died on Calvary's cross, the one who was buried in the grave, the one who was raised three days later, the one who was seen by hundreds and thousands of people after his resurrection, the one who ascended to heaven and sits right now at the right hand of God the Father, ever making intercession for you. That Jesus. That's the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace says that I believe in him and I will be saved. It doesn't say if you believe in Calvary Chapel. I love Calvary Chapel. I, 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 I pastor a Calvary Chapel church. I love the fact that we teach the word, but you're not saved because you're a Calvary Chapelite. You're saved because you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's the gospel that's being talked about. That's the grace that's being talked about. That's what's being warned about. Something other than keeping the gospel simple. Paul warns Timothy of false teaching. Peter warns the church about false teachers. And the reason we need to be warned is not everything that uses the name Jesus is necessarily Christian. You you can't self-profess another gospel. Your Bible says that person should be treated as an accursed one. And so Paul, in essence, talks about the character. And why does he do that? He's basically saying, look, you you can kind of spot them. He's saying, when, when you look at someone who claims to be a teacher of the gospel, they're going to be caring about one thing and one thing only. And that's that people come to understand, know, and believe in the one true Christ. They're they're not going to be about being just simply popular. We have in our world today an awful lot of churches where, in essence, you would think the pastor of that church is actually the Messiah. Because the whole ministry is more about them and their books and everything else than it is about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When a pastor doesn't have an answer for someone asking a simple question, do you think that it is okay for two men to marry one another? And and the pastor can't answer that because he says, well, God will sort that out later when your Bible says, no, you can't be such a thing and inherit the kingdom of God. That's a false Christ. Because God has spoken on that issue. The same Jesus that talks about being saved by grace through faith, 
is the one that encourages us, look, this is what marriage looks like. And this is what your life is supposed to look like. So it isn't a work, it's simply speaking the truth. And if you're trying to sell books and you don't want to sound like you're not okay with it, and you change the message, that also is being a false Christ. Very often, they're also very interested in a whole lot of money. It's exactly what your Bible says. They're in Second Peter. So when a pastor comes and he says, you know, I really need 50 million bucks for a new jet. You might kind of want to see whether he's preaching the right gospel or whether he's preaching a gospel of prosperity, money, and health. Because last time I looked, people who love Jesus die. People who love Jesus are stone cold broke. Not everybody has everything and not everybody's going to get everything. And in fact, if you want proof of that, they're called the disciples. The Lord Jesus himself had no place to lay his head. He did not preach a prosperity gospel. So a church that's over-concerned with those types of things, you have to wonder what gospel is that that you're preaching. Got to be careful. Because if I tell you, every one of you in here, if you just plant a seed gift, God's going to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. I am lying to you. And so whatever Jesus it is that I'm preaching, you might want to ask whether that's the real Jesus or not. That's why they also have no spiritual life in them. That's why you see them with multiple partners and wives and all kinds of other stuff. Because without the right Jesus, you also don't have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you have no victory over sin. If you don't have the right Jesus, you are lost. That's why he says, let them be accursed. It's not a kind message. It's not one of those things like, wow, that's kind of rough, Pastor Jeff. Bible says what it says. It teaches what it teaches. Don't mess with the gospel of grace. If somebody comes with some other message, you should be leery of that. That's why Paul was in shock. He said, look, you're going to go back to the law? Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? The word used here is befuddled, bewilders. He's like, it doesn't even make any sense to the Apostle Paul that someone who's been set free from the bondage of the law that's now come to a relationship with God by grace would ever think about going back, but people do. Why? Because we like to equate works to salvation. It's like, if I do these things, then I am saved. Let me help you with the understanding of where works fit. If you are a child of God, then you are going to do things that show that you're a child of God. But you're not a child of God because you do the things. The things are a result of your salvation. They are not the thing that saves you. So when I become a child of God, I do want to sin less. When I become a child of God, I do have an emphasis in my life on holiness. When I become a child of God, I want to talk to God the Father. I want to pray. I I want to hear the Spirit's voice in my life. When I am saved, then God's grace changes the way I see things. But it is God's grace that does that changing. It's not my religious effort. In other words, I don't work myself into some kind of new, beautiful position with God. I have a new, beautiful position with God purely by God's grace. He saved me. 
He is also going to keep me. He is the one that's going to empower me to live that Christian life. That's why God's grace changes everything in our lives. Because it is unmerited favor that I simply receive. And all of a sudden the reception of that grace just begins to radically transform my mind. Changes the way I think. Now I walk in that grace. And so he's preaching a message here that's really the message of grace plus absolutely nothing. Now when I say that, the first thing that the legalists do in the church is they go, well, you mean you can just do anything you want? No, I did not say that, did I? I didn't intend it either. I wasn't even thinking it. But what happens is if you put something in front of God's grace or along with God's grace, if you add something to God's grace and you make it conditional, and let me use one that probably most of you can understand. How about baptism? Because you have a bunch of people on this earth that believe you cannot be saved without being baptized. Let me prove to you that's wrong. He was right next door to Jesus on one of the other crosses, right? What did Jesus say to that man? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. He did not say, man, I'm so bummed. I mean, if we could just get you off the cross and baptize you, um, you could go to heaven, but I'm, you're, like, you're nailed up here too. And I don't mean to trivialize it. I'm trying to help you see how simple it is to think about anything being added to the grace of God as an essential for salvation. If the thief on the cross is going to heaven, it's proof positive you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. Now, should you be baptized? Absolutely. Because scripture says, repent and be baptized. Not so that you will be saved, but because you, all are, you are already saved, you're going to want the whole world to know I'm a child of God. That you identify with the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, which is what baptism does. You're telling the world... I follow Jesus. You're making a stand for the king that died for you. That's what it is, but it doesn't save you. So when you have groups like the Mormons or Jehovah's Witness that basically teach that Christ is not God, Seventh-day Adventism, to where you're going to spend some time in investigative judgment and you're going to go to soul sleep until you finally get it all figured out in your mind because it's in your mind. Or Christian science, which teaches that it's just a matter of what you think. You see, your Bible teaches none of those things. But they sound Christian. And so if you put Christian in front of science, well, I want to be scientific. So if I'm a Christian scientist, that's got to be way better. No, it's a cult. And oddly enough, every last one of those groups were actually spurned out of the Methodist church in the 1800s. Why? Because they tried to add something to the grace of God. It's grace plus this. It's grace plus our group. It's grace plus works. It's grace plus, well, we just go straight to God. We don't need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Amen? And so Paul says, why would you ever leave that? It's grace plus nothing. And so Paul warns, he says, look, be careful. Judaizers that are going to come into the picture as we continue through this book, 
It's not really another. It's the same type of thing that's been going on forever. It's the same thing the devil said in the garden. Amen? Has God surely said? Really? It's basically saying, don't believe God. You know, some of the things that I hear when I talk to people about how simple the grace of God is, they will say things, it can't be that simple. It's one of the most common things. It can't be that simple. Oh, it's that simple. And I praise God it's that simple, amen? Now what happens after you give your life to Christ, your whole world is going to be turned upside down. You're going to have your mind renewed. You're going to be transformed. You're going to be matured. You're going to be glorified. You're going to be on this wonderful thing called sanctification where you become more like Jesus. There's a lot that happens after you get saved. But if you try and add something, if you try and stick something else in the grace of God, it's a whole lot like, you know the whole world thinks we're nuts. Did you know that? Because we are the only country on earth that pays more for water than we do for gasoline. Serious as a heart attack. You go in the store, you look at whatever your favorite water bottle is, add them up, add, make it go to a gallon, then go look at what a gallon of gasoline costs. You're paying more for bottled water than you pay for gasoline. And we complain all day long about gasoline, but we go buy Avion like it's like nothing. It's like, oh, I drink Avion. You know. <laughs> like it's holy water. No, you, you take that. Now, you can take that Avion, and, and if I just give you some arsenic, and you put one drop of arsenic in your Avion, how much of the water in that bottle is polluted? 100%. So it doesn't matter how much I dump out, it's still going to always be polluted. So that water, once the poison is in it, is polluted. It's poisoned. And that's what happens when you add something to grace. You have to dump all of it out and put fresh water back in. You cannot unpollute something. It is grace plus nothing. You add works back in there, it pollutes the grace of God so that grace is no longer grace. And the church becomes unsettled. That's why you have people wondering whether they're saved or not. If it's grace plus something else, how many other things do you think people could come up with? People come up with church membership. You join this certain church. You do church a certain way. I've actually had people tell me, well, you Calvary people, you can't possibly be saved. You know why? We have colored lights. <laughs> I'm serious. You have colored lights. You know that color's of the devil, right? So I think God created color, actually. No, people make all kinds of crazy statements. Like you have electric guitars. You know, Jimi Hendrix played electric guitar. He was from Satan. What does that have to do with anything? But you can see how people gravitate towards stuff like that. And so pretty soon, you're saved because you don't listen to Jimi Hendrix. You're saved because you don't have colored lights on the stage. You're saved because you belong to an organization. It's salvation by organization. No, you're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's it. That's why he warns of destruction. That's why it's so serious. If we or an angel from heaven should preach to you another gospel, 
Let him be accursed. It's serious business with God to mess with grace because Jesus paid the price for our grace, amen? The only reason you can have grace, the only reason the gift of faith can be given to you is the price was paid on Calvary's cross so that you can receive that grace. If Christ hadn't died in your place, then that grace would not be available. Do you understand that? So the necessity of grace is because God loves you so much that Jesus came to this earth to die in your place so that you could have a relationship with God, and so he offers that to us as a free gift. He said, I don't want you to think you can earn it because you can't. I want you to know it is a gift, and if you receive that gift, then your life will change. If you don't receive that gift, then you don't have salvation as offered by God. It's not a matter of a membership in a group. It's a matter of personally knowing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so the verdict? Don't mess with the message of grace. Leave grace grace. We can talk about a lot of other things, and we do in church. If you're a grace-filled child of God, then you're going to be sanctified as well. You're going to be going through those transitions in your faith as your faith grows, and you're going to have a deeper hatred for sin and a greater love for righteousness. That's true. You're going to want to walk in the Spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Also true. That's being Spirit-led, right? But the message of grace is what gets you started on the journey. Don't mess with that very simple message of grace because it's a dangerous thing. God takes it very seriously. I personally take it very seriously. It's grace that saves. That's offered by faith in the one true Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and we'll close in prayer. And I want to make an offer to you. If you're here today and you've never... You've never invited Christ into your life. You've never received that grace. You've been religious. Maybe you came to church and you've been coming to church because you thought that church saves you. I hope that after this little bit of time in God's word, you'll understand church doesn't save you. Church attendance doesn't save you. You, could, you realize you could memorize the whole Bible and not be saved. You, you could know it front and back. But if you will believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, is what the Bible says. The offer of grace is a free gift. It comes to you by simply receiving it. And so I want you to bow your heads with me. And if you're here today and you already know the Lord, which is undoubtedly a vast majority of you, but there may be some here today that have not. There have been at both other services people who decided today was the day they would receive that grace. If you're here today, and you would like to receive the grace of God so that you can be saved and go to heaven. You, you've never invited Christ in your life, and you'd like to do that today. Would you just simply stick your hand up in the air, and I want to pray for you right where you're at. I see that hand in the back. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? You, you want that grace gift for your own life. I see that hand as well. I see this hand in the middle. I see this other hand over here to my left. Anyone else? You just want to receive it. It's simple. It starts you on the journey. I see that hand on the back to my right. Anyone at all? You're joining a, a congregation of other people who've already made that decision. And more importantly, you're joining the one true church, the church that believes that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
Praise God. For those who have raised your hand, if you would just simply, you can put your hand down. And if you would pray with me, I'm going to say some words, and they need to come from you to God. Make them your own. Own them. Because there's a God in heaven who desires for you to be saved. It's a plain teaching of his word. And so just repeat these words with me. Heavenly Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I know I need a Savior. And I recognize without your grace I can't be saved. And so I'm asking you to give me your grace. I believe, Jesus, you died for my sin. But you're offering me forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving my sin right now. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Help me to walk with you all of my days. Thank you for the gift of your grace that sets me free. Thank you for saving me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.